0: You are listening to Harmony Sermons at Harmony Church in Sumter, South Carolina. We exist to see God's people become devoted, connected, and reaching. And we love the fact you decided to join in on listening to this sermon today. But we also realize that there is no substitute in connecting with others. If you have any questions about visiting church, or if we can connect you to a local church wherever you are, please visit us at HarmonyChurchSumter.com. Cheers, and let's begin. Welcome. We're glad that you're here again today. Last week, we started a new sermon series called, What If You Prayed About It? We're taking four weeks this summer and we're asking the question, when something pops up in your life that's a little scary, a, a little daunting, it's a, it's a little dicey, instead of worrying about it and being anxious about it or just wondering, how, what, what am I going to do about this issue, what if you prayed about it? What if you committed to taking it to the Lord in prayer? Like What if prayer became the, the first thing that you did instead of a last-ditch resort? So here's how we'll, we'll set up where we're headed today. I saw something about this a couple of weeks ago, and I thought that this was just strangely fascinating. Um, in Ghana, Africa, they get all the big American blockbuster movies that we have here, but they don't get any of the promotional materials. Like the, the movie companies don't send them movie posters to put up. So the movie theaters in Ghana have to make their own. And they sort of get it right, but but not really. And so when they're creating posters to advertise movies, they they take some liberties. I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, This is their poster for E.T. Now, I don't remember Michael Jackson being in that movie. It's been a while since I've seen it. We got the the alien on the guy's face. I'm pretty sure that's from the movie Alien, not E.T. How about this? Classic 80s movies, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Do you remember watching that? (laughs) I don't remember the gun violence. I know the principal and Ferris had some issues. Um, This is their poster for The Godfather. Um, That's one of the greatest movies ever made. I know Don Corleone had a cat. I do not remember the cat being that big. And then if you're a 90s kid, maybe you loved watching Space Jam. Um, And again, I don't remember Michael Jordan carrying a gun in that movie. Now, I, I say all that to say that when it comes to prayer, there's a lot of people that take some liberties with prayer. And so what happens is they end up praying to a God that's sort of like the real God, but, but not quite. And because they don't have an accurate picture of God, their prayers aren't nearly as powerful and effective as they could be. We're going to look at an example of that today from Luke chapter 18. So if you've got a Bible, if you've got a phone, let's go to the Gospel of Luke and we'll be in the 18th chapter. And, you know, when it comes to prayer, there's not just one little formula or standard that you have to follow. There's not a lot of rules when it comes to prayer. So you have a whole lot of freedom to, 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 to pray. You know, we typically pray with our eyes closed. Like, that's how we're taught as kids. But did, did you know, like, you could pray with your eyes open. There, there's nothing wrong with that. You can pray anywhere you want. You can pray one big, long prayer where you pour your heart out to God, or you could simply throw up a little, God, would you please help me, kind of a prayer. God loves both of them. So there's not a lot of rules when it comes to prayer, but there is one rule. There there is one prayer posture that has to be in place for God to hear and answer prayer, and it has to do with humility versus arrogance. If you want to make sure that God does not hear you when you pray, will come to God with a, with a posture and an attitude of arrogant pride. God won't have anything to do with that. But on the other hand, you have the complete attention of God when you come to him in humility. Matter of fact, that, that's the big idea of today's sermon. When it comes to prayer, humility gets God's attention, but arrogance gets a heavenly cold shoulder. We're going to flesh this out today by looking at the story here in Luke 18, The background of this passage is that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's got about one week before he goes to the cross. And so this is really the the beginning of the end of his earthly life and ministry. Uh, The disciples and another crowd of people, they're they're sort of tagging along with Jesus as he travels. And Jesus knew that some of those people still didn't quite understand God. They didn't quite understand grace. They didn't understand why Jesus was there and, and what he came to do. And so in typical Jesus fashion... Uh, Jesus starts to tell some parables. And a parable was a story with a point. It was a, a fictitious story that would have been relevant for the people of the day. And parables were meant to illuminate spiritual truth to people that had ears to hear. But for those that weren't really interested in understanding, the purpose of the parable was to actually conceal truth to them. And in this parable, Jesus tells a story of two men that prayed two very different prayers. So, who were these men? Well, one was a Pharisee, and one was a tax collector. And we might not see it right off the bat here, but, but Jesus' original audience would have immediately thought, okay, you've got the cream of the crop in society, you've got the Pharisee, he's the best of the best, he's the, the religious model, he's the kind of person that you want your son to grow up to be like, and then you've got the tax collector. And he was the worst of the worst in society. Tax collectors were the most hated people of that day. And here's why. At that time, Israel was occupied by the Roman Empire. And and Rome levied heavy taxes against the people. So they came up with this plan where they would hire Jewish people to collect taxes from Jewish people. They were authorized by Rome to collect tax money from the people. And the tax collectors had a base amount that they had to, to pay Rome. But whatever they collected above and beyond that, that was theirs to keep. So imagine how bad you would hate somebody who did that. Because not only are they sellouts and traitors to their country, working for the Roman Empire, but they're also thieves. They're stealing from their own people. And Jesus tells a story where both of these men pray. And one man prays the most incredible prayer, while the other prays a terrible prayer. And when Jesus tells his audience who prayed what, they're going to be shocked. Because the really amazing prayer was prayed by the tax collector, while the really awful prayer was prayed by the religious Pharisee. And it's in comparing and contrasting these two prayers that we learn the right attitude and the wrong attitude when praying. So, as we make our way through this passage, here's what we're going to see. We're going to see three prayer repellents, and then three prayer accelerants. One of the prayers repels God and gets his cold shoulder. One of the prayers, it's like God is attracted to. And he he accelerates his answer to that prayer. So, the first prayer repellent is self-righteousness. Self-righteousness. If you come to God with an attitude of self-righteousness, you're going to get that heavenly cold shoulder. Notice how Jesus describes this. Verse 9. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked down on everyone else. So some of the people that that are in the crowd that are tagging along with Jesus, they were very self-righteous. And Jesus uses the example of the Pharisee to to try to illuminate that to people. So what what does righteousness mean? Well, it means that you're you're holy. It means that you're good. It means that you're in a right standing with God. That's, That's righteousness. And the Bible talks a lot about righteousness, and it always talks about it in two ways. It talks about the the righteousness of of Jesus Christ, the perfect holy life that Jesus lived on earth. And see, that's the beauty of what we call the gospel, that when we turn from our sin and we trust in what Jesus did, we get his righteousness. His perfect righteous record is transferred to us or imputed to us. And so when God looks at us, he does not see us in our own flawed, jacked-up obedience to God. He sees the righteousness of Jesus in us. So that's the righteousness from above, from Jesus. But there's also righteousness from below. And that's self-righteousness. And the Pharisee was full of righteousness from below. And it produced an arrogance in him. See, self-righteousness is always more concerned about the sin and the weakness and the failure of others more than your own. This guy had a very, very high opinion of himself. And, And just like self-righteous religious people today, this guy was very concerned about the Bible. He was very concerned about God and the things of God, and he talked about that a lot, but it had turned him arrogant. Friend, I'll I'll ask you, are you like that at all? That that in your zeal to know and understand God and the things of God, have you become self-righteous? One old uh, dead theologian said this. He said, study sanctification or righteousness to the utmost, But do not make a God out of it, because God hates this idol more than all the others. Listen, God loves obedience, but he hates obedience for the wrong reason. And see, righteousness should bring you closer to God, but sometimes it can actually take you away from God. If your own obedience to God has left you arrogant. And when you come to God in in prayer with that attitude, God won't hear that prayer. You're probably uh, familiar with the phrase FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. Have you ever heard of the phrase FONZO? FONZO, this is true, it stands for fear of not showing off. You see it a lot on social media. People feel the need, of course, to post about every single cool thing that they see and and experience. And so, I'm out on the lake and there's a beautiful sunset. And instead of just sitting there and watching it and enjoying it, taking it in, I got my phone out. And i got to take 40 different pictures and videos from 40 different angles because I'm going to post that on Instagram later because I want to show off a little bit. I want other people to see the cool thing that I got to experience. Now, that might be totally fine and appropriate on social media, but that is a terrible strategy for prayer. I don't come to God in prayer to show off my my self-righteousness. The second type of prayer repellent is self-importance. Self-importance. Notice how the story goes on here. Verse 10. Jesus says, two men went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, and the other, a tax collector. The Pharisee was standing and praying like this about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, greedy, unrighteous, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. So the the Pharisee was standing as he prayed. That was a a typical prayer uh, position back then. But we're going to find out in the next verse that he's standing away from the tax collector. You almost get the vibe the Pharisee thought that he was too important to be around other people, or at least to to be around this this sinner, this tax collector. Now, he starts off the prayer, well, he starts off appropriately. He thanks God. He's like, God, I thank you. But then he ruins it because he starts thanking God for himself. that, That I'm not like other people. And I'm not greedy, and I'm not unrighteous, and I'm not an adulterer, and I'm especially, God, I'm not like this tax collector. Five times in this short little prayer, he mentions himself. I this, and I that. This guy really thought that he was something else. He talks here about all of his negative obedience. Did you see that? He's like, God, look at how well I've obeyed you by what I haven't done. I'm not like this, and I'm not like that, and I don't do that. Now, there's a difference in thanking God for for saving you from sins that have destroyed other people and arrogantly thanking God that you're not like that. This past week, I I heard yet again another story of uh, another pastor that disqualified himself from ministry because of a moral failure. Whenever I hear stories like that, I'm always like, God, thank you that that wasn't me. And I don't do that arrogantly because I know that it very well could be me. So if you come to God in prayer with an air of self-importance, God won't hear that prayer. The third prayer repellent is self-congratulations. Self-congratulations. Notice how the tax collector continues, verse 12. He says, I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I get. Now, what is he doing here? Well, he's, he's rehearsing his resume to God. He's like, God, here's why you should accept me and bless me. I've done this, and I've done that, and I haven't done that, and I haven't been involved in this. I mean, that's, that's pretty good, right? Congratulations to me. And the thing is, this guy was good. He fasted twice a week when the Mosaic law only required people to fast once a year on the Day of Atonement. This guy went way above and beyond that. He went from one time a year to twice a week. That's 104 times a year he fasted. That's 103 times more than God required. Like, wow, that, that's, that's really good. Uh, the law only required the people to, to tithe or to give back a tenth of their agricultural produce. This guy tithed on everything he got. Produce and money. And we even know that, that there were other religious Pharisees back then that were tithing their spices. They're like, I got a, I got a you know, half pound of, of cumin. I'm going to give some of that to the Lord. This guy was really proud of that. He's like, congratulations to me. You know, not too long ago, um, Snoop Dogg was given a spot on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. You know what that is, right? Out in Hollywood, they, they have those stars on the ground that recognize actors and musicians and celebrities. And uh, Snoop Dogg has accomplished a lot. I mean, he's been a famous rapper since the late 80s, early 90s. He's a pop culture icon. He's been in a bunch of movies. Super, super famous. So he was given a spot on the Walk of Fame, and he made a speech. And here was part of his speech. He said, I want to thank me for believing in me. I want to thank me for doing all the hard work. I want to thank me for having no days off. I want to thank me for never quitting. I want to thank me for always being a giver and trying to give more than I receive. I want to thank me for trying to do more right than wrong. I want to thank me for being me. Wow, I mean, congratulations, Snoop. That's super impressive. Now, we can roll our eyes at that and we can chuckle at that, but that type of delusional arrogance is really scary. Because it tells people that you are about as far from God as you could possibly be. This religious leader thought he was setting himself up to get a, a heavenly pat on the back from God, and instead, God didn't even hear his prayer. Because self-righteousness and self-importance and self-congratulations, those attitudes actually repel God. Last summer, I, I bought this up, this fly trap that a friend told me about. It's a, it's a bag, and... Um, you hang it somewhere outside where you're going to be, you know, maybe near your grill or you know, on your patio somewhere. You hang it out on a tree where you, you hang up a, ha- uh, a hammock, that's the word, right? Someplace where you're going to spend a lot of time and you don't want flies messing with you. So there's something inside the bag that, a, that attracts flies and they crawl in and then they can't get out. And, and this bag advertised that it could catch up to 20,000 flies in this in this bag. So I hung it up and I had it out, out on our, our back patio for a couple of weeks. And sure enough, I have no idea how many flies it caught, but there were thousands of flies in there and it stunk. Whatever it was that, that was inside the bag that attracted the flies, it smelled really bad and it was just so gross and, and so nasty to look at and to, to, to be around that I, I took it down. I put it in a bunch of plastic bags and I tied it up and I, I threw it out. I was like, I don't want that near me. And I have to imagine that it must be similar with us and God when we have these arrogant postures before Him. I think God, when we come to Him with arrogance and pride in our prayers, God's like, I I don't want that near me. I I don't want that around me. Well, the religious Pharisee is not the only character in this story. He's not the only person that prayed. Through the tax collector, we learn how to pray prayers that God listens to and answers. And so as we look at the tax collector, here's what we're going to see. Three prayer accelerants. We've looked at prayer repellents. Let's look at three prayer accelerants. Okay? Three attitudes that when they are present in your prayers, not only does God hear the prayer, but he rolls up his sleeve and he's like, now this is a prayer that I can do something with. And so the first prayer accelerant is humble position humble position look at verse 13 but the tax collector standing far off now remember the pharisee is standing and praying by himself but he's doing it because he was too important to be around other people common people well the tax collector is doing the same thing but for a different reason he's standing far off because he knows that there's distance between him and god his physical location is a picture of his theological understanding. There's, there's distance between him and the Lord. His physical position is in an acknowledgement that he doesn't deserve God. He doesn't deserve God's blessing. He doesn't deserve to have the ear of God in prayer. And so very cautiously, he stands at a distance and he prays. I, I've mentioned before that uh, I, I grew up in Brazil. My parents were missionaries there. So I spent six years in, in Brazil as a kid and It was very common, at least back then, um, for Americans that lived in Brazil to have a housekeeper. Uh, Third world country, it's right on the ocean, everything gets dirtier than it typically would here. Uh, Back then, the American dollar was super strong, and so it really wasn't much of a a financial burden. It was super helpful for the Brazilian. It would give them a salary. And so for a while, we did. We we had a, a woman that would come in a couple times a week, and she would help with the cleaning, and she was a phenomenal cook. And uh, lunch is the is the big meal in Brazil. And so she would make this big, delicious meal for lunch, and we would always invite her to come eat with us. Come on, you've you've prepared this. Come, please sit with us and eat. And and she never would. And that's because in, in Brazil there's there's very there's a delineation between uh, eco um you know statuses. And so a person who was a housekeeper uh, they would they, they would they would feel like they couldn't associate with you know their employee. Um, that that maybe, maybe, you know, I'm, I'm poor and, and, and you're wealthy, which, which we weren't. Um, but I, 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 can't, I can't be near you. I, I can't hang out with you. It was this incorrect thinking that said, I'm not as good as you and I can't get too close and you're better than me. And it didn't matter what we said or what we did, that she would just never come share a meal with us. And, you know, when we come to, to God in prayer... There needs to be a little bit of that. There needs to be that humble position. Now, the good news is, uh, Jesus told us that when we come to pray, we can come to God boldly. Right? We're we're praying to our Father. But that does not mean that we should come to Him arrogantly, just assuming, here I am, God, I'm, I'm gracing you with my presence. Is there any humble position in your prayer? The second prayer accelerant is true contrition. True contrition. It says, but the tax collector, standing far off, would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but kept striking his chest. This guy wouldn't even look up. He didn't want to make eye contact with anyone, let alone God in heaven. Because God had seen every evil thing this tax collector had ever done, and the tax collector was ashamed. The verse says that he kept striking his chest. Now, you know who does this a lot? Athletes today like professional athletes, but they do it for the exact opposite reason that the tax collector did it. Athletes today do it as a sign of, of arrogance and dominance, and so maybe I just hit the, the game-winning three in your face, or maybe I drove the baseline and I just did this monster dunk, and now I'm walking around the court and I'm arrogant, and I'm like, look at me. That's the kind of attitude that repels God. This guy, this tax collector, he did it as a sign of disgust over his sin. It was, a, it was a picture of his sorrow. So friend, I'll ask you, does your sin ever bother you? Is there ever true contrition in your life? Do you keep short accounts with God? When you go to God in prayer, is it only to ask Him for things? Or do you ever go and, and confess, God, I, I blew it. God, I, I messed up. God, I, I disobeyed again. You know, sometimes we we know that we've messed up, and so what we try to do is we try to make amends for our sin. Maybe I'll really focus on obedience for a while, right? We want to show God how serious we are. We're told in Psalm 51 that God does not delight in our sacrifice. What he delights in is a broken and a contrite spirit, and that was this tax collector. So what would a prayer of true contrition look like? I was thinking about that this week. I came up with six elements... Of true contrition, six elements of true contrition. So you 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 see if any of these elements are ever evident in your prayers. Number one, are, are you appalled by sin? You, you're not sorry you just got caught. You're you're appalled that that you got into this. Like that, my sin disgusts me. Have have you gotten to that place? Number two, you need to acknowledge the hurt. God, I'm coming to you, and I'm 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 confessing that I've hurt your heart. God, this, this sin that I've been involved in, Jesus died for that sin. And, and I'm, I'm sorry that, that, I've, that, I've, that I've hurt your heart. Number three, I'm going to apologize fully. So God, I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm confessing. I'm not holding anything back. I'm not making any excuses. I'm apologizing fully to God. Number four, I'm going to accept the consequences. It would be great if God would act and move and there wouldn't be any consequences for my sin, but sometimes there are and and I'm going to accept the consequences. Number five, I'm going to be awestruck by forgiveness. This is the wonderful thing about God that every single time I go to him and confess and I repent, I know that God forgives me. Does Does that astound you? Are you ever awestruck that God would continue to forgive you? And then number six, I'm going to ask God to help me adjust my conduct. God, would you help me to grow in this area? Would you help me to do better? The next time I'm, I'm in this position, I know you've provided a way of escape, so would you, would you help me to take that? Do you ever pray like this? I mean, does this ever sound like any of your prayers? Now, back in World War II, uh, American soldiers in Germany would do something interesting to help identify other Allied soldiers. If they were in an area and they wanted to make sure that it was other American soldiers nearby and not German enemies, they would yell out, thunder! And then they would wait for the response, flash! Uh, If you've ever seen Saving Private Ryan, they they do this uh, on that movie. They did this because apparently in the German language, the TH sound doesn't exist. And so it makes it really hard for, for the German soldiers to mimic. And this ensured that only American soldiers passed the checkpoint. Listen, do you want to know how to find out if a person is a Christian? Do you want to know how you can find out if a person really knows Jesus in a saving way? Can they repent? Can they confess? Can they say, God, I messed up. God, I blew it. Please forgive me. I don't think the Pharisee prayed like that. I I think he was like a German trying to say, thunder. It just couldn't come out. His arrogance, his pride would not let him talk to God that way. That kind of true contrition, it only exists with followers of Jesus. So you've got three prayer accelerants. You've got humble position. You've got true contrition. And then thirdly, there's sincere petition. Sincere petition. Look at at his prayer. This is what he says. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And actually, what this man really said, we see this in the original language that it was written in. He says, God have mercy on me, the sinner. The sinner. The the Pharisee, the, the religious guy, he could only see everybody else's sin. The tax collector couldn't see anyone's sin but his own. He was the worst sinner he knew. And he's like, God, I'm the sinner. Maybe there's other sinners out here, but like, I'm the chief of sinners, I'm the sinner. And it led him to say, God, have mercy on me. That word mercy typically means compassion or sympathy. But that's not the the word that this tax collector uses. He uses a word for mercy that means propitiate. Propitiate. It was a word that, that they would use to talk about animal sacrifice. So once a year, the high priest would take a lamb on behalf of all the people. He would lay his hand on the head of the lamb and this is gross and graphic, he would slit its throat and he would collect the blood and he would pour it out over the altar at the place of propitiation. And that blood would, in essence, cover the sin of the people for that year. It's what Jesus would do for us once and for all. He would propitiate or cover our sin. And that's what this humble, broken, tired of his sin tax collector does. He says, God, would you please cover up this sinner's sin. God, would you please have mercy on me? I said last week that God always answers yes to need-based prayer. And when you need mercy and grace and you humbly ask God for it, He will say yes every time. And see, this is the power of praying like this. When we bring our feeble little weak prayers to God, right? And we pray and it's, it's nothing but a little tiny flame. What God does is he takes his heavenly lighter fluid and he just pours it. On, don't worry, don't worry. He just pours it on that flame so that our prayers end up being so much bigger and so much greater than they would have been on their own. And see, that's why we're in this series. We want to learn how to pray prayers that move the heart of God. And what moves God's heart is humility. And see, you have to understand Jesus to get this story. Jesus is not saying that there's one guy in this story who's righteous, and there's another who's unrighteous. He's saying there's two unrighteous men, but only one realizes it. And it causes him to offer this sincere petition. So friend, let me ask you, have you ever prayed this prayer? Have you ever prayed this prayer that the, that the tax collector prayed? Have you ever asked God to have mercy on you? Do you remember how the story started off? He told this parable to some who trusted in themselves. Is that you? Are, are you trusting in yourself? See, that is the ultimate act of pride, to say, Jesus, I don't need you. I'm okay without you. I'm trusting in me. That gets you that heavenly cold shoulder. Well, notice how the story ends, verse 14. Jesus, again, says, I tell you, this one, meaning the tax collector, this one went down to his house justified rather than the other, because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. That we're justified means in a right standing with God. The religious guy, the one everybody thought was so godly and so close to the Lord, he wasn't actually in a right standing with God because of his pride. And meanwhile, the the scum of society, the most hated person of that day, was completely justified and accepted by God because his brokenness over his sin caused him to run to Jesus for mercy. And you, like this tax collector, you can leave here today knowing that you are totally justified before God, if you can be humble enough to admit that you're not. Friend, would you turn to Jesus today? Would you confess your sin and trust in Christ? So I'll ask you, what is it in your life right now that needs prayer? What is it that you're anxious about? What is it that you're worried about? What is it that you don't know what you're going to do if God doesn't show up for this, this issue? The other night, I was, uh, I was at the house, and man, there was something that I was stressing about. I was nervous, and I was anxious, and I was super grumpy trying to figure out how we're going to handle this situation, and I'm walking around in a bad mood, and I'm sure I'm you know snipping at my family. And I had this little voice in my head that said, hey, remember the title of that new series that you're in? <laughs> what, what was it called again? I was like, oh, yeah. What if I just prayed about it? And so I did. I I confessed my bad attitude to the Lord. I I confessed my self sufficiency. And in humility, I prayed and I asked God for his help. And I'm looking forward to seeing how God is going to answer that prayer. I don't know how he's going to answer it. But do you know what immediately happened? The anxiety dissipated, the nervousness went away, the bad attitude was replaced with joy. And see, this is the power of humble prayer. And it's available to every single one of you today. So God, we, we come to you and confess, Lord, that oftentimes we are more like that religious Pharisee than we are the tax collector. And God, we're thankful for this story. We're thankful for this example of, of what it is that you accept and what it is that you don't accept. And so Father, I pray That you would make us humble people i pray that we would not walk through life with that attitude of self-righteousness and importance and congratulations that the that the pharisee walked around like father i pray that we would follow the example of the tax collector because we are the tax collector There there was a time where we were about as far from you as you could possibly get. We're so thankful for Jesus and so thankful for the gospel and so thankful for that ministry of reconciliation that has allowed us to know you and to be be saved and to be in a right standing with you. So Father, for for my my brothers and sisters that are here this morning that, that, like me the other night, have something that's just weighing on us heavily, I pray, Father, that you would show us the power of what humble prayer can do. It can change the circumstances for sure, but it can absolutely always change us. So Lord, help us to be a people that is marked by that kind of humility. Help us to be a church that's marked by that kind of humility. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.